Hey, I'm Jen Tsui. I'm a certified life coach on a mission to guide women in doing the deep inner work necessary to liberate their true selves and create the incredible life they dream of living. This is the Fantastical Life Podcast. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome back to the Creating a Fantastical Life Podcast. It's Jen, and it has been a minute. Um, I have been recovering from COVID, uh, was traveling, went to EBC for the first time, which was really fun. And I'm about to go abroad for an entire month to Australia to go to my soul city, Melbourne, Australia, uh, and travel around Auckland and New Zealand as well. Just be able to kind of get away from here, be in a new environment and stimulate my brain in a different way. So I'm really excited for that coming up. Um, and recently, especially if you followed me on social media, you'll know that I've been going through kind of like a tough time emotionally where a lot of things were coming in mentally that just felt like my brain was being hijacked. I've been seeing a lot of patterns in like my thinking and in my behavior that's been making me kind of curious and, uh, want to learn more about personally, like my brain and how that behavior shows up and how to partner with it, which brings me to today's episode. Um, It's been on my mind for a long time on and off and especially this past month. And I want to talk to you guys about how to partner with your neurodiversity. So you can also think about this in how to partner with your brain. And the reason why I want to bring this up is because all of us are so unique and we are so highly individualized that there's no one size fits all treatment in any like anything. Um, And no one size like fits all solution for any problem, no like one path to take to success for any goal that you have. And I feel like I naturally have always fought that. Like ever since I was a kid, I never thought of getting like one job. I've always been like wanting nine different part-time jobs. Like I wanted to be a part-time author, a part-time like artist, part-time like um, lawyer and doctor and like video editor and like um, actress and all these different things. And even now today, like I still have that or I'm so multi-passionate. And so for so long, I was making like me being multi-passionate an issue. And it came through in my business as well, where, uh, you know, people talk about having a niche. And I had an entrepreneurship minor in college at USC. And that's one of the first things that they teach you in entrepreneurship is like, decide what you're going to do, right? And decide the specific person that you're going to serve and all the demographics, like how old they are, what do they do for a living? How much money do they make? What do they like? What do they not like? And all these things to try to like really narrow you in um, so that you have a focus. But the other like side of that is that you're really boxed in. And I've never done well in like trying to be a box. Um, so for me, I've been noticing that I have a lot of ADHD behaviors and like traits, but I've never been diagnosed of it. Um, I have gotten curious about it like while I was in college because I was noticing like how much I didn't, like I couldn't focus in certain classes like econ 
which I actually ended up withdrawing from because I was failing so badly. Like literally I got a 29 on the <laughs> exam, I think. Um, and so I wasn't like, just like Asian failing, if you will, right? Like, no, 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 I was like legitimately failing the class and it was freaking me the fuck out because I had always been a good student. I'd always had a 4.2 GPA, like was, you know, easy, got my homework done, all the things. So I never fit that like image of someone who's ADHD either. And it's really interesting because uh, as I start to learn more about behaviors that are associated with ADHD, the more I can see like how that shows up in my life. But um, when I first started looking into this, I was really resistant because there is an overwhelming amount of pathologizing behaviors nowadays. Pathologizing. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but um, there's a pathological lens like a medical lens that we see every single symptom nowadays, right? It's like that if you just Google that you have a cough, you could be like everything from having bronchitis to just having a cold to like just dying because you have like throat cancer now, like, I don't know, right? And we've kind of done this with everything. Um, as a side note, like I pick at my skin a lot, <laughs> just like a weird thing I do. And it's like, it's just something that I don't even think about. Um, like if I have a like a pimple on my on my like hairline or just like have a scab like I've always like been that type of person and um like my nails I always like chip off like my nail paint um you know all these little things and it's just like kind of has been a thing I've never really thought much of it but I think after being with my partner for so long Sam like and he like doesn't have any of that like doesn't have like any of these takes like I'm always doing something with my hands and I've never thought of it as a problem I've never been like oh this is like OCD or this is ADHD I've just been like this is just like I don't even think about it right so I looked up um how to stop picking at your skin because it's really not good for me like it's it's probably you know not the greatest to to maintain healthy skin and the first thing that came up was like a skin picking disorder like it's literally a disorder and i think um just like everything we live on a spectrum right we want to put everything into a binary because our brains you know get helped with that like in the old days if we had a like this is dangerous or this is safe it made it easier on us to make decisions quickly and reserve energy for more important things, but it harms us in today's society where if we keep living in this binary, we miss out on all the gray areas and we miss out on a lot of like learning and an understanding and compassion and innovation that can happen when we live in that gray area. So it was just interesting to see like the skin picking thing be like, there's probably people who, yeah, like are picking at their skin to the point where they bleed and it's just like, there's nothing really there. Um, and it's harmful and they're getting like skin infections and all these things. But on the other end, they're like, it could just be a nervous tick or it could be just like a stress tick kind of thing, you know? And also you could just be like a type of person who like wants to pop your pimples or like, <laughs> break open your scabs sorry it might be like really visual for you right now and um sorry not sorry that's just kind of what you're invited into now anywho that all being said i want to bring this idea of everything being on a spectrum to neurodiversity and i think when people hear spectrum they automatically think of autism and autism spectrum disorder 
which anytime we put disorder at the end of anything, like people are going to resist it. And there's also going to be a lot of negative, like social connotations with that, that is not going to be conducive to people being able to live confidently, freely, and like lovingly. So with that being said, the autism spectrum is interesting because it's not like you're less autistic to more autistic. There's a really great article on this that I'm going to link in the show notes that one of my peer coaches who has autism um, like shared where autism is not a spectrum disorder where you have like a little bit of symptoms, which means you're less autistic. And then you have a lot of symptoms, which means you're more autistic. There are different categories within autism where it affects like your thinking brain and your logic brain and then your organization and then your speech and your behaviors. Like there's all these different aspects of it. And within each of those aspects, there's a spectrum of being able to like verbalize um, and and then being able to understand metaphors and and similes and stuff like that, right? So there's no less or more on it. It's just different. And being able to understand that can really help you and other people around you understand how to communicate with you, how to, you know, for you to be able to thrive in your career, how to communicate in a relationship and maintain a solid relationship. It impacts the way that you see yourself and all those things. And I think this theme is true for different elements of like mental health, like diversity. Right. Um, And something like ADHD, where you can have multiple patterns and it's different for like men versus women. Like one of the things that I learned was for women with ADHD, there's a really high rate of comorbidity with depression and anxiety. And I have been diagnosed with depression and anxiety back in college. I think a lot of people are. And it's like so common nowadays that it's like, is this really like a disorder or is there something bigger going on? And one of the reasons why I have never like sought out any diagnoses for something like ADHD is because I really didn't think it was a me problem. Like I did in a way, right, where I was just like, oh, what's wrong with me? Why can't I focus on like econ? Why am I falling asleep as I'm like reading this textbook? Why can't I just get it? My brain just doesn't wrap around these like specific concepts. Why do I have to try so much harder in like chemistry? And it just like doesn't make sense. Like, you know, so I had that bit of there's something wrong with me. Like I'm not getting it. I'm not perfect at it. And that there was a lot of shame associated with it. But I started to think about how naturally as human beings, there's going to be things that we're interested in. There's going to be things that we're not interested in. Who do you think is going to be more successful? The person who white knuckles their way to try to like get really good at the thing that they're not interested at all. Like people who work in jobs that they absolutely do not like and are go against who they are and their values and you know, it's just not stimulating to them versus the person who is doing something that really speaks to them. Think like artists and creators who love what they're doing and are so dedicated to it that they always want to show up to it. That was my mentality on it is that no matter who you pick, no matter what their brain is like, whether they're more neurotypical, more neurodiverse, if you're doing something that you're not interested in, you're probably going to have a harder time staying focused. 
Versus if you're doing something that you're interested in, you're probably going to have more motivation, more inclination to actually show up for it and follow through on it. So if you are, um, you know, looking for a career path and you like structure, you like having things kind of being outlined and done for you so that you know exactly what to do and how to follow through with it, and you don't really care too much about what you're doing, you just like that structure, then you're gonna fit great in a corporate setting, right? Nine to five and have somebody give you projects and for you to have maybe a little bit of wiggle room of how to go about it, but mostly have it be structured and bullet pointed versus if you take that person and make them become an entrepreneur and be like, okay, you have to figure out exactly what you want to do, what you want to create, how to create it, how to market it, who you want to help. You have to, you know, do all this creative work and a lot of this critical thinking skill and not have any of that um, security and knowing when a paycheck is going to come. They're going to freak the fuck out, right? And somebody who is neurodiverse, who doesn't like to be put into boxes, who thinks very differently and non-linearly, who has a really easy time actually solving complex issues and thinking quickly and moving back and forth between two seemingly unaligned thoughts and ideas and finding connections between them, that person's going to thrive as an entrepreneur um, or in like tech uh, and create in like UI UX, stuff like that, where they're constantly flexing that creative and problem solving side of their brain. And they're not going to be so good in a linear structure where there's a lot of rules and procedures to follow. So understanding that, right, you can already see how that plays out in your career and allows you to play for your strengths and actually like create a game around your strengths instead of you trying to fit into the specific game that life and society has dictated is like these are the paths this is what you should do this is how you should do it and if you don't do it this way or you have trouble doing it this way then there's something wrong with you and you should like be medicated <laughs> one other component of this that i wanted to bring up is ever since learning more about like ADHD and kind of the behaviors and traits associated with it, I have been feeling the urge to want to label myself and also hate it completely. Because like I said, I don't want to be in a box. And I don't think a lot of the things like, I think even just the, the way that a lot of these self-tests and I think tests when you go to doctor's offices are written is like rude <laughs> it's just like terrible you know how in voting um they've done studies like you can't ask questions in a way where it's leading you a lot of times these self-assessments make it so that you have to put yourself in a box and it's almost like an admission of fault like do you find it difficult to focus and it's like well sometimes yes especially when it's something that i'm not interested in but other times, no, not at all. I can get into a flow and get a lot of work done and be super productive. So I don't know how to really answer that question. Um, and then it's like, do you forget things often? And are you like sloppy and unorganized and unstructured? And, you know, do you have trouble following through on projects and finishing things? And I'm like, I mean, like sometimes, but also I have finished so many things in my life. That's a reason why I have a fucking degree and why I've been able to, you know, create a business and keep doing it for multiple years 
and I show up to my calls on time and I use a scheduler, right? Like there was one thing that was like, um, do you forget about meetings often? And I'm like, no, yes, like I have, but like, doesn't everybody? And also I use Google Calendar and I have reminders set up. And I think a lot of humans have that. And if we didn't have that, we might forget or be late to things. Like, you know what I mean? Where it just, it didn't really sit well with me. But I'm like, I can't label myself in these. Even within this label, there's a lot of labeling, right? Like, are you a procrastinator? It's like, isn't everybody a procrastinator on a lot of different things and to like certain extents? And maybe you procrastinate on like homework, but you wouldn't procrastinate on like bills. You know what I mean? So that's the part of me that was like so resistant to like even thinking more about it and being like, yeah, like this just isn't me. But at the same time, I couldn't ignore like the behaviors that make it so that uh, a lot of structures and tools and strategies that I've seen before, uh, especially when it comes to time management and like productivity, just didn't work for me. And there is a great self-assessment online if you're interested for ADHD that takes into account the strengths and the weaknesses and kind of combines that in all the questions and the way the questions are worded, which make it a lot more palatable, if you will, to actually get a result that feels accurate. Um, And when I took that test, it gave me back like 81%, which was simply just validating in some ways. And I have had this urge to want to label myself because it makes it easier for my brain to kind of like now put me in a box and try to find out strategies of like how to work with myself and whatever. Yet at the same time, I don't want to have that label at all because I think it's just the truth of our society is that we live amongst a bunch of neurodiverse people. And a lot of us are probably on that spectrum of like, sure, like if you want to say if you forget something like every now and then that you have ADHD like traits and then like what you can just be labeled as that. I don't think so. I think that's just how humans have developed and we live on different spectrums. And it's okay for that to just be the case without labeling it. Now, what I will say is if these behaviors were getting in the way of me living my life, like to a really negative and distracting extent, like if I couldn't get through school because I kept forgetting my materials at home and I couldn't focus at all with what the teacher saying and not follow and I wasn't really learning, that is where I would be like, yeah, let's go to a mental health professional figure out like what this is, maybe get diagnosis, maybe get medication. But that is not the case for me, okay? And that might be the case for some people. So this is what I wanna offer. If you've been noticing behaviors in yourself that are neurodivergent and it is hindering your ability to show up for yourself in the way that you want to, if it is, if you feel like at all limited by it, A diagnosis is simply information on what's going on in your physical being. That's all it is. A lot of times, and I talked about this in like my second episode of this podcast about depression and anxiety. So often we treat the labels of a diagnosis 
like a death sentence. Like this is who you are now. This is the box that you cannot escape. And these are your weaknesses now. This is just something that you have to like cope with now. But I want to offer that it's not something that you have to cope with. It's just information on what's going on in your physical being. And the purpose of a diagnosis is to help you take better care of yourself. It's to help you start discovering ways on how to take care of yourself. It's not like you have a broken arm now and now you just have a broken arm forever. So you better just figure out how to do everything with your non-dominant hand because now you're like right hands broken forever. Right. And like, that's how we kind of treat diagnosis sometimes is like, you better just find ways to work around this instead of work with it. And that is a big difference and can impact your ability to be happy and successful and independent and skillful way more, right? You are not, like the purpose of these diagnoses are not to handicap you for life, is not to make excuses, is not to throw a pity party, is not to make you better or worse than anyone else, and is not to prove that you are like weaker, less than, or less likely to be happy, successful, and independent, stuff like that. That, like what the diagnosis means, as in like what that prognosis kind of thing is, right, of, well, what does this mean for you now? That is mostly just noise created by society that has been fed to people who are different to try to get them to conform into a world where people don't have to spend the time and the effort and the emotional availability in order to understand who you are, where you're coming from, and build a relationship. It is meant to just make things go easier for the tribe to just survive instead of like thrive. So for you, when you notice that you do things differently, you think differently, you behave differently, and it can actually be a huge strength for you, except that there might be limitations that come with that, just like every strength, where if you're super logical, you're probably not going to be super strong in dreaming and being able to think outside the box and be able to come up with creative solutions. If you're somebody who's super structured, you might have a hard time relaxing and being able to actually enjoy life and have fun, right? Like with every strength, there is that shadow side and it's not the same as a weakness when it comes to neurodiversity where literally it's chemistry, not like just brain drama as one of my peer coaches would say. So here's the thing, when you accept your limitations, that's what allows you to innovate. And when you innovate, that's where you can thrive. Notice that these diagnoses, if it's information on your brain that you cannot change, it is now just a limitation around it, right? Think like a fence inside your home. It just means like, your home and where you're going to feel most comfortable and be able to relax and like sunbathe naked in your backyard is now limited to this square. That doesn't mean you can't go outside, but it does mean that if you go outside, you might feel like you're white knuckling. You might feel really uncomfortable. You might be trying to just conform now to somebody else. Like you might just have to be living on somebody else's turf, right? Their rules and what they want for their property. So just come back to you. So this being said, I have five tips to help you partner with your neurodiversity. My coach, Simone Soul, she has a concept on partnering with your brain when it comes to business. 
and how you market and how you structure your schedule and all these things, which I think is incredible. And that's kind of what kickstarted this understanding my own behaviors. And I just took a class from another coach. Her name's Meg Kirsten, and she is like an ADHD coach. And I just took one of her classes on coaching with ADHD and coaching clients who have ADHD and using the model, which is the main coaching tool that I use and that we're, we're all certified through and that we're all certified to use. And through kind of learning and hearing about what they're saying, integrating it into my life and making it applicable for me, these are like the five overarching themes that I got from them and what I've seen help me in my life. So the first thing is something that my coach Simone said, it's the tools, structures, and strategies job to work for you, not the other way around. When you make the tool, the strategy, the structure, or the coach, or your professor, um, or a scientist, and like a piece of research, the truth and the way to make it work you end up feeling a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. You gaslight yourself into making yourself bad and making the problem something about you instead of just noticing that these tools and structures and strategies were in place to help make your life easier, for you to help get to your goal in a way that feels good to you, that feels simplified and whatever. So if that's not doing that, it's not your fault. Obviously, there's like that space of you want to do your due diligence and understand what the tool is and ask questions on how to use it if it's not landing with you but also know like when to kind of let it go right and find something else because there's a million tools a million structures and strategies to help you like better your mental health um process through trauma connect with your body to set goals to reach your goals um to communicate effectively all these different things like there's a billion and one things out there on Google that you can find. And if the one thing isn't landing with you that you're being taught or that you're exposing yourself to, ask questions, get help, and get curious, right? You can change it up. You can modify it. Um, A lot of scheduling and time productivity things like time blocking just does not fucking like land with me. I have fought myself for years especially through school on trying to time block and trying to like literally map out every five minutes to make it as efficient as possible for me while still you know doing the whole um putting in free time and unstructured playtime and whatever and it just does not fucking work for me it makes me feel constricted to the point where i just it's it's awful it's awful I, it backfires on me so much And I thought that that was something wrong with me for the longest time. And then I started just playing with it because it was like my, I was going very black and white of either I'm going to time block and be really structured and figure out my entire day and like find that 10 minutes where I can go for a walk and meditate um, or that 10 minutes when I have to like put everything in, right? Or like that five minutes where I'm going to respond to emails and whatever, um, I would fluctuate between that and then having no structure at all and only having my obligations in, like my calls or my classes and clients. And when I did that, I was not as productive either. So I had to find that middle ground for myself where now it's like I'll put in specific things that I want to get done on specific days 
and just have it at like a few things, like literally one or two things maximum. And I still give myself the permission to have the flexibility of my schedule is not gospel. I'm allowed to move things around if I want to and for whatever reason I find reasonable versus other people might benefit from just having that structure and abiding to their schedule because that is the best thing that works for them. And having too much like unstructured time where things are not scheduled just gives them anxiety. So this is where you get to play with you. So that leads me to number two, you are in control. You get to change the difficulty setting for certain things. So if you want to embark on a new project, let's say you want to be an entrepreneur or you want to create um, a piece of art or you want to apply for a new job. Okay, you get to be in control of the rules here. So you don't have to make a specific template for your resume and reach out to 20 people or 20 companies a day. You don't have to you know, start your business and immediately go into um, create a bullet point list of every single thing you need to do and tell yourself you have to get it all done within a week or have all these arbitrary goals set up. You get to just make it easy on yourself or make it just slightly challenging. And if you saw my Instagram this past week, I talked about how we live in a society that really values the end result and everything kind of is a means to an end and like the ends justify the means kind of thing, which is why we get caught up in all this hustle and grind because we're like, oh, because we can like relax later once we make the money, once we like whatever, but that rarely ever is actually the case. And the thing to be wary about there is that it happens because we think that there is a finish line. There's like an arbitrary finish line that we either set for ourselves or that society has set for us. And when we get to that finish line, what we notice is that that finish line actually doesn't exist or it's constantly moving because you're moving it, right? Where now it's not enough for you to like sign your first client if you're like a new coach. Now you have to uh, make you know, five figures a month. And now you have to make six figures a year and then multiple six figures. And so you get close and you're like, oh no, well that's not enough. I gotta go for the next one. And option three, right, of the finish line is that that finish line is actually just the starting line of the next race. So you never get to relax. And understanding where you're putting your finish line at where you get to decide to feel satisfied, you get to decide to feel productive, you get to decide that you did enough today and that that is okay, even if that means that the only thing you quote unquote like got done was responding to an email. And most likely that's not the only thing you got done because you probably got up, right? You fed yourself, went to the bathroom, took care of your cats. But it's like, let's work with ourselves instead of against ourselves and tell ourselves, okay, well, when we don't get to the final boss level on like ultra hard mode, that means we suck at the game. No, you get to just build up your tolerance, put it on easy mode, feel confident, put it on like medium, normal, hard mode, whatever, and keep trying until you feel good with that. And when you really sit with this idea that you're in control, you also get to use your tools 
and things like medication to your advantage and know that it's not the medication or it's not the tool's job to kind of fix you either. You also have to be a responsible user of it. You have to be a responsible steward of your time and your energy. Like if you were to have poor eyesight and put on glasses, that doesn't necessarily mean that now you're going to be able to be successful and productive that day. You could just lie on your bed with your glasses on and look at your popcorn ceiling and put your focus there. Or you could put on your glasses and read a book or go talk to people and be able to read their facial expressions. You know, like you get to choose your focus. So that brings me to number three, create constraint and focus. Decide how much flexibility you want, how much structure you want and play with it. Know that you can, you know, change it if it doesn't work for you, but decide like this is the arena that you want to play in today. Um, Meg Kirsten, she talks about reducing your options to make things easier for yourself. So you still might need choices, but when you put a constraint, like if you're going to eat dinner, that you want it to be like, for me, it would be like, I want it to be vegan and I want to have a source of protein um, and a green vegetable at dinner. So that reduces my options, but I still have the choice within that to be flexible. It just reduces your decision fatigue and allows you to get what you want, get things done a lot quicker. Number four is to come back home to yourself. This really hits at the heart of everything that I teach, everything that I coach on and kind of the intention of my entire business practice is to help people come back home to themselves, right? Making their lives, their businesses feel like home instead of what we're constantly doing is going up to other people's front porches and being like, are we good enough to come in? Um, are we allowed here? Do we feel like we belong? What do I need to change about myself? And it's instead coming back to your brain and your body and what your desires, understand what they are and be able to, to hold space for that and make that feel like home, make that your truth, make it your home base. So in the context of like neurodiversity and partnering with your brain, when you catch yourself comparing and it's something that you're not gonna be able to control um, Brene Brown talks about this, how in like the research, humans are hardwired to compare ourselves. That's part of our survival. So when you catch yourself comparing though, you have control over what you do with that information, over what you see someone does, right? If someone is making more or less money than you, if somebody is in a relationship and you're not, Right. What are you going to make that mean about you? Are you going to make that mean that you're bad, that you're not worthy, that you're not lovable? Are you going to know that that's like intellectually true, but not actually believe it fully and still feel bad about yourself? You're going to teach yourself to like let it go, to make it not mean anything about you. And that is all within your choice. So you get to either be curious, cautious or compassionate. That's what I want to offer you when you come back home to yourself. When you catch yourself comparing, drop into curiosity, drop into being cautious, or drop into being compassionate. And what that looks like is when you get curious, you see somebody, you're comparing yourself to them. Okay, well, what do you like about this? What do you not like about this? 
right? You're on social media all the time. You see all these people doing all these things. What do you like about all these things that you're seeing? What do you not like about it? And then get cautious. See what's triggering you here. If you feel like a sense of inadequacy coming up for you, if you sense anger or frustration or jealousy or shame coming up for you, notice that it's coming up and get cautious about what are these thoughts that you're having that's making you feel that way? Is that actually truly your belief or is it just neurotypical supremacy bullshit that's masquerading as something helpful to you or something that like should be fixing you? Like if you are seeing all of these TikTokers, YouTubers, you're getting sold programs to help you be more time effective, to help boost your productivity. And you're like, oh, I should want to do that. Or you're seeing yourself compare and be like, why can't I be that productive? Why can't I be that good with money? Why can't whatever? Be cautious that that has the underlying narrative that that is the best way to do it, that you should be organized in that way, that you should be able to think in that manner, that you that it's better if you save money versus find new ways to make more money. Like you don't need another accountability partner. You don't need another scheduling tool. You don't need another habit tracker, right? Like what if what you're doing is totally fine, normal and enough for you? And this is just neurotypical supremacy showing up, trying to sell you something and sell you a version of yourself that they brainwashed you into believing is better than where you're at now. And the last piece of this is dropping into being compassionate. Get compassionate with yourself and remind yourself that you're on your own unique path. There's no specific right way, wrong way to do anything. That there's just a different way to do everything for every single person, for every single brain. Whether you think you're on that scale of like neurotypical or neurodiverse, it's not really that. Even it's like everyone's neurodiverse and there's just like more linear, more structured, um, more planned, more unplanned, more free. Like that's really where we lie. So no matter where you lie on that scatter plot, there is a specific way for you to get to where you want to be and you won't know that until you get there, right? You don't know the how until you get there. Then you look back and things become clear. So that leads me to number five, keep learning, living, and loving. Go through the trial and error, be curious and learn more about your brain, learn more about different structures and tools, different perspectives, learn more about your body and trauma, learn more about um, business and career and whatever it is that you want to do, your relationships and dating and I don't know, like your wardrobe and how to dress and style yourself. Just learn everything and try things out. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Just live your life. Find the thing that makes you tick and go for it. Stop trying to fit yourself into a box. Find the things that you value understand your truths and speak your truths and live by your truths. And don't forget, you can always talk to a professional. You can always get support. If you feel hindered at all by where you're at, find a support system. I have an entire podcast episode on how to find your support system. And I want to offer you a quote that I've been hearing recently, which is that every little thing grows with love. Understand how to support yourself find people who support you or tell people around you how you're best supported. 
But most importantly, show yourself that love. Because if you think that shaming yourself is going to make you work harder, if you think guilting yourself and berating yourself and telling yourself that you're wrong or that you've made mistakes and that that's bad and you should try harder, if you think that's actually going to help you grow, it doesn't. Brene Brown in the book, um, The Gifts of Imperfection, goes literally through all of that and about shame and has seen in her research how people who use that tactic of using shame to kind of motivate themselves and keep themselves on the on the right track, right? Or stay on the wagon or get back on the wagon after you've fallen off are way less happy. And I am pretty sure like way less likely to actually reach their goals. So self-love is not this ooey gooey cliche Instagram thing. It is a necessity, a literal physiological necessity for yourself to have in order to thrive in your life. All right, so to recap, five things that you can do to help partner with your neurodiversity is to first understand that the tools, structures, and strategies job is to work for you, not the other way around. Number two, you are in control. You can change the difficulty setting if you want to and to use your tools in a way that helps you focus. Number three, create constraint and focus while having flexibility and play with it. Number four, come back home to yourself and do this by getting curious, cautious, or compassionate. And number five, keep learning, living, and loving. If all of this resonated with you and you want to go deeper into the work, this is exactly what we focus on in my one-on-one coaching program, Six Months of Freedom. It's structured in a way where it's literally like we get on an hour call every week for six months and we set up kind of your big long-term goals, break them down into achievable steps for you and also understand what is it that you actually want. So your winning results here of the type of person that you want to be, the skill set that you want to grow in order for you to get your bonus results of like maybe getting in that relationship, having a business that's making six figures, of getting to that weight that you want to have. It is literally what it sounds like. It's six months to your specific type of freedom, right? The freedom that you are looking for. And you do this all by coming back home to yourself, by undoing all this oppression that is living in your brain, that is keeping around the negative self-talk, that is making you feel unsafe in your environment, both internally and externally, and helping you move past that and heal as you grow so that you can live the life that you want to live confidently and authentically with your inner peace. So if that sounds good to you, you can go into the link in the description or go to my website, jensui.com. That's J-E-N-C-U-I.com. And you can learn more about the program or you can just book a consultation, apply to work with me and follow your desire here, like really just trust yourself that when you bet on yourself, you can never lose because the house never loses. Even when you think it's a risk to invest in yourself, it's not. It's an investment. And investments always come back to you tenfold. I also want to put on your radar if you are an entrepreneur, a creative spirit, if you want to diversify your career, and you want to start living a life that is fueled by following the path led up by your soul, then you are a solopreneur. 
as in S-O-U-L, your inner soul. And the Solarpreneur Collective is launching soon. There's going to be way more information coming out. Um, and a really beautiful part about this program is that it's going to be a group program. And my goal is to be able to welcome in 10 people who really want to go all in on themselves, on their lives, on their careers, who want to be rich as fuck and happy as fuck and successful as fuck, um, but in a way that feels right to them, in a way that they want to do it. So if you're like a coach, if you want to start coaching, if you want to build a content creative business and be like an influencer, if you are a creative spirit and you want to start your own apparel brand or you want to be a musician, a writer, an actor, a model, whatever it is, if you are an individual person who is creating a living for yourself, this collective helps to ensure you that you are making a living and not a killing, as in you're not killing yourself while you're doing it. It is here to help support you, to help you grow and make the journey not so lonely. I think that's one of the worst parts about entrepreneurship is that we're taught that entrepreneurship is a lonely journey and nobody understands, but it doesn't have to be that way. It is something that if you choose to and you put the intention in, you can actually create a beautiful community of people to help support you in that. And in the Solarpreneur Collective, you learn how to become fully sovereign, how to have your own back, how to stand by your ideas, how to create your own structures and and try out new strategies until what you find what works for you. And I think for me, a big part of my growth in coaching was when I joined a group program. And you would think like potentially one-on-one is better than group because you get individual attention. But the reality is it's just two completely different things, right? You have different intentions. And when you come in with the intention to get everything that you need out of a session, even if you're not personally coached, and if you're not afraid to be coached in front of other people, right? And practice that vulnerability, practice like sharing your challenges. It makes it such an incredibly powerful and empowering process for you to not only grow as an individual or as a coach or as a creator or an entrepreneur, but also for everyone else in the room. And when you do that, that expands your ability to hold space for the people that you're going to inevitably work with. So I love the group coaching structure and I love individual like one-on-one coaching. Like I said, they're two different offers, two different intentions for you, but both extremely powerful and both are built in like very fertile soil for you to grow. So if you're interested in the Solopreneur Collective, applications are going to come out in July and we start in September, on September 22nd. It's going to be a year-long journey and there's more information on the site. So you can go to jensway.com again and there is a tab called the Solopreneur. You can read what's there. There's going to be more coming in soon and more will be revealed to you as well through social media. So follow me at Jensway Coaching on Instagram. And if you want to sign up for my newsletter, get ghost coaching. It's like personal coaching, except you don't have to say anything and you just get these insights and coaching nuggets in your inbox and decide what to do with it. So it's pretty incredible. If you want to sign up for the newsletter, the link is going to be in the description box as well. And 
you can really just find all of this stuff on my website. So just go to jensway.com, have fun, go to town, read all the things, listen to all the things. And I hope to connect with you if it resonates. Let's coach together. Bye, friends. Until next time, stay well. Bye.